Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you, the listeners, can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions, which is me. So if you like how we sound or are thinking about starting a podcast, reach out to me. I am easy to find. Pod for Good can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy what we do here, please make sure to subscribe and share this episode on social media. I am your chief philanthropod and class clown for justice. I didn't think of anything ahead of time. Jesse Ulrich. And I am your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for justice. Seed to plate Chris Miller. Nice. I see you did your homework. In this episode, we are talking with Crystal Patrick and Jenny Yoder, the assistant program director and program director from Global Gardens. We talked to Crystal and Ginny about Global Gardens the, and the importance of tangible education in the gardens and why kids always want to grow dragon fruit. Enjoy. We are very excited to have Crystal and Jenny from Global Gardens on the podcast today. Crystal, hello again. Jenny, hello. Hello for the first time. Hi, happy to be here. Yes. If you work in the nonprofit space in Tulsa, you always end up volunteering for at least one organization that is involved around working, the working with children, working with students. And if that organization is not Global Gardens, you hear about Global Gardens very soon afterwards. So for our listeners, Jenny, why don't you tell us what Global Gardens is? Yeah. So I can never say this in one sentence. That's fine. So it might be a paragraph. So Global Gardens is a local nonprofit who works in schools, public schools, usually elementary schools, a little bit middle school. And our goal is to use a garden, a school garden, as a vehicle to teach science, peace, and to empower students to sort of believe in the power of their voice um, to become agents of change in the community. That's very cool because I am not an outdoorsman. I'm I'm well known as not being an outdoorsman. (laughs) And now that I have a space where I can actually attempt to try to grow things in my backyard, I'm like, there's a whole slew of information I do not know. And I don't know. <laughs> and I come up across things. I'm like, I don't even know what this means. So I don't even know how to look it up. So it's, uh, it's great that I feel, you know, elementary school students just get, get that in their system at an earlier age. Like the fact that there's a pH level in the ground, then that affects things is not something I really had to think about before. Mm-hmm. But apparently it's very important. So I've been told. Um, by Bob Vila. <laughs> Every time I Google something about my lawn. Um, <laughs> Bob will help you out. Yeah. yeah. Man, I did not know he had so much internet content, to be honest with you. Anyway, <laughs> the internet will surprise you. He has, yeah. an, he has an intern, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's got a team. His it's, intern it's, has it's, a lot It's not of... him like single typing on a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it is. I yeah. don't know. Listen, if it is, good for him. I feel like the only gardening we got to do in elementary school was the thing where you had a had like a single bean in a paper yes. towel, wet paper mm-hmm. towel. Yes. And, Stick it on the and, window. And it would start to sprout. That was the extent. Yes. Yeah. I feel like just kids naturally want to play in the dirt, of course. Mm-hmm. We all eat, right? So everybody is connected by the ground. And so it's actually really easy to grow stuff. And it's it's just always exciting when something that you planted grows, whether you're five or you know, one of our educators or whatever. I mean, there's a reason 65-year-olds love to garden too because it never gets old seeing the thing that you grew like or seeing the seed that you planted actually sprout. And then we go a step farther to where we eat it, which mm-hmm. is pretty yeah. pretty exciting. You just can't, I don't know. There's so much to learn from the yeah. garden beyond like soil is important and worms are squiggly, but like, you know, the garden can yeah. teach you about yourself. It's pretty cool. Worms well, are squiggly. They are. They're yeah. super cool. Worms yeah. are the best. And apparently raining in China. Did anyone else see the story? Where it was raining worms? Anyway, oh, look it wow. up, people. <laughs> okay. um, hold on, I'm hold like, on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is, the, this is how the world, this is how the world That's ends. The end. uh, yeah. 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 One of the things that I do love about it is that so many problems that we deal with, whether it's kids deal with, teachers, everything, it doesn't really have a finite end point or goal where you get to see the solution happen. Mm. And I've got to imagine that it's very satisfying with this, that you plant something and over a period of time, you see it grow. You see the stages along the way as it starts to grow and you get to see the final um, goal of here's a fruit, here's a vegetable. And that has to be very satisfying. It really is. Yeah. So, and so much of school is mental, right? Like you can kind of see yourself getting better at reading maybe or, um, but even kids who really struggle with school, um, 
might be really good with their hands and really good and really nurturing. Um, and so it is cool to see the whole cycle of a plant. I mean, a lot of people have never grown anything or, you know, seen anything grow beyond like, I don't know, whatever it is, your tree. Weeds. Weeds. <laughs> Weeds are always growing. One of the things that I like to hear from people who were, who are, who are like very involved in the nonprofit they, they work in is like, why, why this versus any of the other problems we, we can work out? Sometimes it's just like you want to do good. So you apply for a job at every nonprofit in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one hires you and you're like, I care about this now. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's more. And so I want to know if there's, and if there's not, we'll cut it out. But is there, um, is there a reason why this versus something else for both of you? Yeah, I'll take that one. Let me, I would like to go back to, <laughs> We don't want to gloss over the fact that Jesse compared gardening to being an outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, when I think of outdoorsman, I think of rock climbing, you know, parasailing, you know, scuba diving. But you... Those are all very, <laughs> bougie, those are all very bougie activities, that's what you know. So. What about hiking? Hiking, hiking. hunting, that no, kind of thing. Knowing and being comfortable in the outdoors. Camping. There we go. I, I grew up in a house with a screened in porch for a reason. <laughs> Nature is nice. I want a barrier between it and I. So. A lot of our students would, uh, would relate to that. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So sometimes, you know, it does take a minute for kids to be comfortable touching dirt, holding a worm. You know, <laughs> sometimes kids wear their nicest shoes to the garden and uh, it just sort of gives me a little bit of heart palpitations. Like, yeah. Um, that is true, though, because the other the, yesterday I was cleaning out some pots and there was a cicada shell in one of them. And my first initial reaction was like, oh. and I'm like, girl, you work at Global Gardens. So I picked that thing. Yes. <laughs> yes, Crystal. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, but to your question about what separates Global Gardens from all the other nonprofits in the nonprofit sphere in Tulsa. Ooh, we can have a whole separate podcast yeah, yeah, about, yeah. but we're not going to go down that road. Right. Yeah. Because we do have a lot of nonprofits that. Are, um, are doing a lot of good work here. A lot of great work. What separates Global Gardens from the other nonprofits that I've been a part of or just, you know, network with or um, engage with in any kind of way was for me, Global Gardens not only uses the garden as the vehicle to teach kids about um, science and peace and personal power, but as an adult in the program, as, a, as an employee of Global Gardens, I am also growing. I'm also learning. I'm also getting the very same things that we are imparting to our students in the program. And for me, even outside of taking a seed and throwing it in the ground and growing something from it and being able to feed yourself, that is that gives you such a sense of power that you don't have to rely on outside sources as long as you have some seeds, some soil and water that you could feed yourself, you could feed your community, your family, but also all the many lessons that the garden teaches us. I mean, when Jenny was talking about some of the science things that we do using the scientific method, Chris, when you were asking about, you know, just realizing that you can plant a seed in the ground, but just understanding if you plant a seed in the ground and it doesn't grow, that it's not a mistake. It's like you get to decide, well, what did we do wrong? Like, let's observe what's happening. Let's let's try this. Let's try that. What if you wanted to pour milk on your plant, you know, for three days in a row? Uh, we wouldn't recommend it, but Global Gardens, hey, we support that. Let's see what happens. It's, it's kind of like lighting that fire of curiosity in our students and a population of, of kids in the public schools in Tulsa, who may not have other avenues to express themselves in that way. It also opens up their idea that I can, you can't be anything if you don't see it. It removes the idea that scientists are old white men in lab coats and it teaches them to, hey, I think uh, there was a, a quote from either someone in our program that gardeners are just, chefs are just hungry scientists <laughs> because we not only show the kids how to create that seed to plate experience, but they also create recipes. They, they think awesome. about, you know, what they're doing. Like um, we, I'm jumping all over around the place now, but right now we are finishing up a cookbook comprised of recipes that our students in our program have come up with. That's awesome. And this is serious. They've been, they've been working hard on this cookbook, testing the recipes, not once, but twice, you know, refiguring it out. You know what I mean? Tweaking it here, asking the students, what should we add here? What should we do? What can we do to make it better? When the kids are in the class and they're like cutting their own or in the program and they're cutting their vegetables, they're making observations, they're cooking. They're actually cooking. People, kids can cook like they really can cook. 
And just seeing that sense of, you know, building that confidence up in them is just something that I just haven't seen. You know, me personally, as a former teacher, I just see the value in what we're doing um, beyond anything that I can, than anything that compares that I have been a part of. And that's just 100% like facts, like just straight up facts. Like these kids are getting an experience that will really like literally we're planting seeds, pun intended, that we, that we don't know they will bloom. I'm gonna tell you two personal stories here. One, I don't, this is actually one story I, think, I don't think I've ever told on the podcast. My dad, when I was very young, like was very excited about like growing his own food. He spent a lot of time like turning part of our yard into a garden, like, you know, went different places, like found, you know, did a lot of research, which at the time without the internet, like was talking to a lot of people, finding the right kind of dirt, like the right kind of fertilizers, pH, all that kind of stuff. Got everything ready, was about to plant, and then went inside to get something. By the time he'd come back outside, I had completely destroyed this garden. Oh, I had like no. run through it. I like dug up everything. Oh, and and oh, I no. swear in like five minutes. And when my dad told me, he looked, he looked down at me, covered in dirt, uh, thought about his garden. He's like, he's like, well, it's probably not going to happen now. So he waited, <laughs> he waited till I was much older to try again. But he, he realized oh, like one, he made it way he too easy. He ruined his dreams. I did ruin his dream. No, he, he laughs at it now because he's like, I don't know why I didn't put any protections around said garden. Like, <laughs> sure. I should have known, but I had, I've been raising you at that point. I should have known this. <laughs> Most uh, people just think, you know, protect it from like dogs or, yeah, or no, rabbits no. or something like that. Mm-mm. The Get ultimate take- predator. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, someone's been a lot of time on this project? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a child with ADHD. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, dirt. I've never been afraid of dirt. So even though me and the outdoors, like, separate, but like, dirt, like, fresh dirt is just like fun. Yeah. So, that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. The second story is like, I hadn't, other than, I, I, I'm not really counting the townhouse I lived in college. I hadn't lived in a house uh, since like 2000 until moving back to Tulsa and then getting a rental house. And in that rental house was the first time we like, we had the space and the time to try to grow something. And we tried to grow a multitude of things and not all of them worked. But one, the ones that did work was like jalapeno peppers. And it really worked. We had so many. I'm like, what am I going to do with all these? And of course, mint. And mint. Which, and mint. Yeah. So yeah. much mint. Yeah, yeah, you grow yeah. one mint, you get a thousand mint. Yeah, like we, true. we didn't even plant any garlic so we knew that's what would happen with garlic because garlic likes to grow everywhere. And I love garlic, but I'm like, I don't want my entire garden to be garlic. And uh, it, just became, it became all mint no matter how many times I tried to pull out all the mint. But those jalapenos were delicious. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is great. Like, it's exciting. It, it feels good. Mm-hmm. It does feel good to grow things, especially uh, cooking with your own food. There's some... Yep. There's something very special about that. So I get Mm -hmm. it. And I imagine a lot of kids don't really don't think about necessarily where their food comes from until they start learning about how food is made. Mm -hmm. Right. right? Which I'm guessing is also part of the programs you all do. Right. I want to go back to before Jenny probably will answer that. But one of the other things that I appreciate so much about Global Gardens in this program is the peace part of it. We begin our programs, our after school programs with the community circle where the kids then go through this exercise where they breathe in good and they breathe out something that maybe didn't feel so good. So you have students who may have been waiting all day to come in and breathe out that mean substitute or breathe out something ugly that so-and-so said to me on the playground. And also a chance to celebrate and breathe in the good things that happen. And then at the and then they all vote on how many breaths they take and then they breathe it in and they breathe it out, breathe in, breathe out. And at the end of the program, we have appreciations where the kids will go around and say something they appreciated about the day or about someone else. So think about as children, Mm -hmm. they are already learning how to, they already have a tool that they can carry on into their adulthood to deal with any type of anxiety, stress. They have a a tool to use to express gratitude in a healthy, positive way, appreciation in a positive way. These are skills that many adults have not even learned how to cultivate. In Global Gardens, it is a deeply core value of Global Gardens is to cultivate that into the students in our program, which in turn impacts their families. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who's one of their sons is in one of our programs. And when she found out I was working with this program, she was like, oh my goodness. She was like, when a family member was going through something very stressful, her child was implementing the breathe in, breathe out method at home. And wow. she's like, where did you That's learn so to do cool. that from that Global cool. Gardens? You see, so it not only impacts the students, but it also has far reaching ripple effect through the community, through the rest of the school. Mm-hmm. And also in the, um, you know, the rest of the school and their families, 
there is also something called the peace table when there's a conflict. And Jenny could talk more about this, where the, where the students, when they're ready, they sit down at the peace table. It could be a peace chair where they have a moment to be by themselves and reflect. But when they're ready, if there's a person that they have a conflict with, that they come together with the mediator, usually the educator or the assistant, to work that out. And it may not work out that day, but at least that both parties were heard, their feelings were acknowledged, and, and there's an understanding that this happened, but we're going to move on as a community and then we're going to figure this out. But if, it doesn't have to be today, but there, but there's a solution. There's a resolution to mm-hmm. conflict right then and there that they can apply into the rest of their lives. And yeah, I mean, if you think about throwing 15 kids in a space and saying, work together, create things, there's <laughs> not even kids, people, there's going to yeah. be conflict. And so instead of sort of being surprised by that and like, why can't you just get along? Um, we anticipate that and then, you know, try to teach kids tools so that they can, that we can figure it out because mm-hmm. all people have conflict. I didn't have conflict resolution skills till I was, you know, 20 or something. And so we just recognize this is a human thing that people need. Yeah. And if you're trying to get anything done, there's going to be conflict. Yeah. Well, I think we should, um, I think we're, or maybe I am just like assuming people who are listening to this conversation are going to know why Global Gardens works with the schools they do, but we should, we should get this out of the way. Like one of the reasons you work in schools that are usually in low income areas is because those areas also have problems getting food that comes from the ground. Mm -hmm. Like these programs aren't necessarily happening in, I hate, I I don't know why I preface this by saying I hate, because I don't hate pointing, uh, pointing to rich South Tulsa, but like these programs aren't necessarily needed in South Tulsa. They're needed in other parts of town. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that, Mm -hmm. which is the, you know, lack of fresh food, the lack of grocery stores. And so like we've been talking about all the great things Global Gardens does, but I, I feel like it's important to remember why it's needed, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't really have a transition into a question from there. <laughs> I just wanted well, to make sure that we talked yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from a, pra- yeah, practically, kids in Global Gardens are eating fruits and veggies, right? Which in a lot of the communities we serve are food deserts. Um, there just isn't fresh food around. And if there is, sometimes there's not the capacity or time or, you know, to to prepare it regularly. So, yeah, that is one reason. And that is is an impact of Global Gardens. But we also just want we feel like uh, sometimes lower income communities are undervalued. And we believe that kids and families um, are powerful, as is. And we just want to give voice to that. And we want uh, kids to believe in, in their own power. That's right. And, and to that point, Jenny, I would love to add on, um, we're just kind of facilitating kids coming into their own power in mm-hmm. their family too, which is why we are yes. student inquiry based. We are student led because we don't believe in just doing things because it looks good or sounds good where it looks good on social media. We want to do what the kids want to do. And that's how you're going to have real impact. So I guess going back to your original question, and I'm not, I'm just saying like, I'm not saying anybody else is, but what I do see is that Global Gardens is not a performative nonprofit organization. I mean, and even if you just think about our mission and our goal and what we actually do is what Jenny just said, addressing a need, but not just addressing a need by providing something but showing mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying yeah. like I can show you how to put food in the ground and you can grow something and feed yourself and feed your family like that's something that nobody will ever be able to take away from you as long as you have some seeds and soil and hopefully the weather <laughs> all the system that's a whole nother subject. it doesn't freeze and they get warm and then freeze <laughs> right, again right yeah it's just it's, it's giving and, that, and that's on the practical level. And I think about everything that's happening on the outside with gardening, that same transition, those same things are happening on the inside. And those mm-hmm. are also things that cannot be taken away. You cannot take away from a student who has learned to breathe in and breathe out when they get upset. That is something they will carry the rest of their life. And we don't know the type of impact that that will have long term. Mm-hmm. But I do. I see a difference now. And I'm sure Jenny can tell you because she works directly in programs still with kids. She's our, one of our program directors. But she still has a program because I don't think she could tear herself away from mm-hmm. having a program. But I bet she can talk about like the difference in the students from the beginning of the year to just even a month later. I can tell the difference when I go visit programs. I visit one time and then I visit the next time and then I visit the next time and I see 
a difference, like see that change, that organic change that's happening within the students that we serve? Well, I guess like you mentioned, like it's student led. And my, my question is, and yes, like teaching young students skills that they can u- use in their lifetime is helpful. My experience with, with trying to teach young children has not gone well. And so my, my question always is like, were you a substitute teacher? I was, which is one of the reasons it didn't, didn't go well, but that was mostly in middle school, middle school. Meh. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Middle school, middle school is when they should send kids out and be, teach them how to be outdoors, out, outdoors. outdoors. People. Um, Seriously. But like, how do you, without like m- making sure they don't like all fail, how do you have, how do you have students sort of lead like this process of learning how to grow things? Yeah, that's a really good question. And one that we're honestly always tinkering with and trying to figure out um, because it's also different for every kid and every group of kids. Um, of course, we start with a lot more uh, sort of structure and and um, sort of, yeah, we start with we start with a lot more structure to sort of help kids figure out the process of becoming curious, chasing an idea, learning about a topic, try, you know, trying an experiment kind of a thing. Um, we even set like community expectations together to, so even from day one, we're asking kids, what do you want this space to be? Cause we're creating it together. And so that immediately creates buy-in. And then, yeah, we, we sort of start with questions. What are we curious about? And we, as the teachers do a little bit more leading of like, here's the process of how we're going to learn about this thing. And then over the course of the year, we're able to share more and more power and decision-making with kids. Um, So, you know, day, you know, the first month of program might be, we decided we want to have a celebration. Let's plan it. What do we need to eat? What do we want to do? What's our activity? What do, you know, whatever, all the details. By the end of the year, they can lead that conversation. So it's a lot of like modeling, giving more structure, and then slowly releasing the reins and giving them more and more power. And because at, at first kids don't know what to do. Yeah. If you're like, what do you want to do? They're like, uh, make slime, play video games. I don't know what you're asking <laughs> yeah. me. Like, yeah. what, slime what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But as you teach kids how to think of their own ideas, how to um, look into themselves and think about themselves and think about what they want, because a lot of people have never really asked, like, mm-hmm. what do you actually want? Or like, who really are you? So it does take practice. They can sort of, you, you can't get them to quit coming up with ideas. Well, if you think about being in a school setting too, like it's going to take some time to get the kids to kind of reprogram their brains to come from under that um, idea of I'm in a school setting, even though this is not school. Miss mm-hmm. Jenny is not, she's my teacher, but she's not my teacher. Like mm-hmm. it takes a little while for them to kind of get the ba- their balance of, are y'all really, this is really about me? Are y'all tricking me? Mm-hmm. Like, really? Yeah. Are you, I don't, I don't know. Let me see. Let try me, to make school fun. Stop <laughs> trying to make school fun. Right. Yeah. Let me do this and see how far I can actually go. But once that trust is built, yeah, then it's a beautiful thing. But you have to remember, if they, especially if they're coming either from after school or during school, whatever it is, they're coming from very, usually, well, in theory, very structured, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean, spaces, but they're still being told, yeah. you know, this is what you have to learn, the mm-hmm. standards, testing, blah, blah, blah. But when they come into Global Gardens, that whole narrative is flipped on its head. And I think it does take a little bit for them to be like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then just like with any human being, you know, if you are spending so much time in this set structure and then you're told, hey, you get to play over here, you might go to the little bit of the extreme. But throughout the year, I think what Jenny is saying is that pendulum swing starts to settle down a little bit. And that's when like the magic starts happening. Yeah. If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber rich. Tallgrass begs to differ. Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of Stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan is exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website 
at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pot for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pot for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. What are some of the, I guess, long-term impacts you've seen? either in the schools, with some of the individuals, the program overall? So good question. We we have, Global Gardens has been around now for 15 years. So our first Global Gardeners are, you know, have now graduated from college. Some of them, you know, they're around that age. Um, and so a couple of Global Gardens alumni actually work for Global Gardens as um, educators or assistants, which is really exciting. That means a lot to us that they still want to be, <laughs> still want to be around, Um you know, we, we've had different like alumni events where we've invited people back and, and really asked them, like, did this actually mean anything to you? <laughs> like, we know it was cool. We know it was fun. You got to like plant stuff and cook. Um, but did it actually make a difference in your life? And for the most part, the answer is yes. People talk about making friends maybe for the first time, um, learning how to manage anger and handle emotions and work through them, learning how to deal with conflict. Um, you know, people talk about sort of finding their interests and their strengths at Global Gardens. So we have um, one assistant who says he found his love of photography and his love of cooking at Global Gardens as like a sixth grader. Just lots of, um, I mean, kids are learning who they are at this phase of life. And so it's cool to be able to sort of help them discover who they are in a really safe and sort of like celebratory environment. Like, Again, because school is so structured and it needs to, I mean, it needs to be, some kids really struggle in that environment. And so at Global Gardens, it's cool to see kids who might be having a really hard time during the school day, either getting Mm -hmm. along with people or sitting still or focusing or following instructions, just really come alive after school and thrive um, and start to learn that they're good at something. Because sometimes, you know, when you're 10, maybe the only thing the only uh, feedback you've gotten is from school. If you're smart, if you're good, if you're, if you are lovable by friends or whoever. And so it's cool to be able to give them another space where we're like, whoever you are, we want you to be that. And we want to celebrate that. And then we want to appreciate each other for our differences. And Chris, I don't know if you were the same way, but it was always better for me in school if I knew why I was learning something, mm-hmm. right? Because like just learning math didn't help me. I need to know why I needed to learn math. Like what will I be able to do in the future with this knowledge? Yes. And something like Same. this is where you can combine multiple subjects and be like, this is why you're learning this in school. Yeah. Like this is the practical reason. I wanted, I wanted my education, at least my, you know, one, you know, K through 12 education to be practical, uh, which apparently not most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, we have calculators is what I told many, many a math teacher. Um, <laughs> But like, I like the idea, like there's so much, and really until I just like thought about it in this conversation, it didn't really occur to me all the things that connect to gardening, like all the different scientific fields, like all the different ways science and math and Mm -hmm. just like understanding how the world works is needed to plant something, right? Like you have to know like when it's going to start getting warm. You got to know like what kind of things grow in certain kind of climates and that that makes you learn about all these different things that you don't, you don't necessarily remember or connect in school itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I frequently wish that I had cared more about algebra because I'm like, I know there's an equation for this and I don't remember what it is and I don't even know how to find it anymore. But I'm like, I know there's, you know, and I've had coworkers who were like, yeah, it's the such and such theorem to make this garden bed. And I'm like, like yeah. wow, that seems useful. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and we do align with um, Oklahoma um, science standards, too, in our programming. And I know our educators um, partner with the classroom teachers and, you know, really want to support them, what they're doing in the classroom as well. So we, they, you know, they do that dance of making sure that the teachers support it, but the main pro- purpose is for the students but we if we support the teacher and what they're learning and if we can use 
Global Gardens as a vehicle to help, you know, just build upon what they're learning in the classroom too. We, we definitely do that. On a practical level, when you ask about impact, I know when we, I wasn't here when we did the, sur- we surveyed the teachers. Jenny can probably speak to that, but I think almost 100% of the teachers, what was that statistic about the students? Um, the, some of the questions that the teachers were asked and the feedback that they gave. And we're talking about the classroom yeah. teachers. like Yeah, so that's a good point. I feel like we, we our most student-led mm-hmm. aspect in a lot of what we're talking about has, is our after-school program, but we do also have during school uh, classes where we push into a classroom for an hour a week all year. So uh, we do survey our classroom teachers every year because we want to make sure that what we're doing, I mean, there that's a lot of instruction hours by the end of the year. So we want to make sure that we are supporting their classes learning. So um, 100% of teachers surveyed uh, last year said that Global Gardens positively impacts their students' willingness to try new things. When you think about holding a worm or tasting spinach, whoa, what? You know, mm-hmm. we ask kids to try some wacky stuff. Eat some radishes, first grader. You might like it. But we work really hard to make sure that those experiences are positive. Um, and that sort of, again, creates a safety of like, wow, trying something new might actually be really cool in the end because mm-hmm. I get to try. I mean, I mean, I just like discover this whole new thing I like. We also have really high impact in increasing curiosity um, and students' excitement for learning. So even in the school subjects that gardening is, isn't like super obviously connected to like science or math, if you have a curious kid, they're just more excited to learn in general. Um, and that's really Another huge goal of Global Gardens is just to be extremely hands-on, minds-on. And there is a reason for what we're learning. It's like, oh, I don't really want to plan this thing. But if you plan the thing, then you get to do the thing. Um, So it's it's just a really, it's easy buy-in. It's like, this is so fun. Why wouldn't you want to learn the body parts of a worm? Because you're going to go find them on an actual worm (laughs) in 10 minutes. Certainly better than like a science worksheet. So. Yeah. yeah, or a video. Yeah. Oh, so Osmosis Jones, anybody? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 You know what? The, um, what you said about the curiosity, it also inspires. Um, and just as a as an intended but unintended consequence, like um, a cultural awareness component in that curiosity, trying new th- things. So think about going to school with kids whose culture may be different, who eat different foods, who may mm-hmm. dress differently. I feel like our programming already kind of opens up that door you know, for a respect, a, a, a common respect, um, a curiosity of other cultures and just like incorporating more of that, normalizing that into your own life. As an adult, mm-hmm. our programming also really ins- inspires, like I said, that cultural awareness and that mm-hmm. respect for other people. I remember, you know, me growing up as a kid trying food from a different culture. Ooh, what's that? You know what I mean? But now, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any better, yeah. but you know, with our students in our program, you know, they're trying hummus, yeah. their skillet radishes, I think was mm. one of the recipes in the cookbook. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're doing, I mean, Jenny, what did you, that drink you made this morning? These are things that they came up with. What was that drink you made this morning? So I was testing a recipe this morning from one of our family food farms, basil mint refresher or something. It has chia Ooh. seeds and lemons. And basil. And Sounds nice. it was really good. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah. yeah. It was really delicious. I didn't realize I don't think I much. would have tried it had yeah. someone, yeah. one of our family food farm members not brought it. I'm I'm really interested in the, the seed to plate aspect because just thinking myself growing up, how many vegetables I thought I didn't like. And the reason I didn't like them is because they were uh, coming from a, a bag or a can mm-hmm. and then steamed and mm, no on flavor. a plate. No flavor, you know. Listen, I'm never going to judge my mom. She was a single mother trying to raise three kids. I'm not going to judge her for it. But it wasn't until I was older that I got to like broccoli and Brussels Mm -hmm. sprouts and a lot of other Mm, things. And I could imagine somebody, if I was a kid now, making my own vegetables, having them fresh, Mm -hmm. learning how to cook them, either from my own cultural background or somebody else's cultural background. I could have gotten interested in vegetables much, much younger. And that could have impacted my health through my whole life. Yes. Yes. And being out and what you just said, impacting health, being out in nature. I mean, science shows I don't have the data at the top of my head, but science has shown the benefits of being out in nature, getting your hands in the dirt, the chemicals that are released in our brains when we're like, you know, engaging with nature in that way. And much more so when we are planting a seed in the ground, we're cultivating it, we're taking care of our plants and then we get to eat it. And it's not just about that. Um, 
we compost in our programs. Nice. Um, we collect rainwater at um, a huge um, water tank, collect rainwater at one of our sites. I mean, we really, even in the programs, we try to reuse everything and just be very mindful of that footprint that we're leaving because we do want to take care of the earth. We do want to take care of nature. So that's something else that, you know, I mean, I was the type of person when I was in high school, throw my empty bag of McDonald's literally out of my car window industry. I know it hurts my heart to think that I did that, but that's just that's just the type of Mm -hmm. teenage mentality I have of not respecting the earth. And I was just crazy to me now, like. If a straw paper, I don't care. I'm going to chase that. I just can't leave it there. If I will go oh, chase yeah. that because yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and so just sure. really kind of cultivating that within our, in, within the students in our program as well as that, you know, we take care of nature. You know, we, we, you know, we respect it and nature will take care of us as well. Mm-hmm. So when is that cookbook going to be available? Put you on the spot. Fall, this fall. This fall. Yeah. Coming Wait. this fall. Coming this fall. The Global Gardens Cookbook. Yes. Cooking is connection or something, something. <laughs> um, we're still working on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to speak to the seed to plate. So during school, we do support science standards, but every class does get their own class garden. And beyond even like teaching kids how to to plant, that we really try to let them make as many decisions as possible as far as what they're planting, how, you know, what we do with the harvest, all of that, even with little kids, because- Kids have opinions, even when they're five Um, and they have some really good ideas. So we each during school class gets at least one seed to plate experience a year. And then after school, it's way more than that because kids are earning their own garden where they're really making every decision about, again, not only what to plant, Mm -hmm. but they're creating art for their garden. They're building cool stuff for their garden so that it's really an expression of themselves. And so that they kids can see immediately they are making an impact on a physical space and their actions matter to their community. Mm-hmm. They're creating this beautiful spot that anyone in their community can come enjoy because we don't lock up our gardens. We want everybody yeah. to to feel welcome there and to enjoy a beautiful space created by kids. What's <laughs> the most interesting thing that, that a kid has wanted to grow in their garden? Any sort of more exotic fruits or vegetables yeah. things that you don't normally find here? I have a dragon fruit plant. I was going to say dragon fruit. <laughs> I was like, I bet it's dragon fruit. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, as a kid, that would be the, the thing I would think is the most Exotic, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a dragon fruit plant in my classroom right now. Nice. Kids are always want to grow bananas and oranges and mangoes. So we have to talk about you know cli- climates, <laughs> tropical plants, etc. Do you tell them the sad story? The, the sad story that is bananas and how there used to be like all these other varieties of bananas. No, tell me the oh, sad story. Um, um, listen, we don't have time for that. Um, okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole. I think there was a whole NPR podcast about this. But um, long story short, all bananas are genetic clones of each other. And, you know, some some disease got in and pretty much killed every other type of uh, banana. banana except for the ones we have now. And apparently they were wow. all better than this banana. So mm, but they're the gone now. Banana. So, yeah. Yeah. The protest. Wow. Yellow banana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> also, like fun stories. I meant fun stories. Horrible stories. Wow. about just the, the, the CIA's involvement in bananas uh, oh. in the, the countries where bananas were produced. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I think there was a drunk history about there was. one of the guys. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So honestly. Why is the government always shady around fruits? (laughs) There's the pineapple in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. There's bananas everywhere. Mm -hmm. Listen, (sighs) white people love their exotic fruit. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of, again, like most people have the same experience with vegetables as a child. They're like, it's it's not good usually because your parents are rushed and they're trying to make Mm it. And they're they're trying to make it the way their parents made it, which was also not good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so like, and this is like a very technical question, but like when... Or if, do you teach the students like saute them in oil or garlic or butter and they'll be delicious? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, like, basically, roasting. Day one, be like, listen, if you don't think you like it, Wait. saute it first. <laughs> no, that's real. Or add salt. Yeah. Add more salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Salt's amazing. It's amazing how many things get better with a little salt and pepper. I know, right? It yeah. take a lot. Yeah. I can see why salt's a problem. Yeah. And I get if it all now. of that fails, add tahini. That mm-hmm. well, the kids they do they get to experiment when they create oh, cool. a meal. They're like, mm, I don't know, and um, <laughs> I don't know about that. In one program in Miss Mary's class, they made which Sarah was there for. They made cauliflower tacos, mm-hmm. and so they Miss Mary talked about. I wasn't there when they kind of debriefed on what went wrong, but I believe they said they would cut them in smaller pieces next time, add a little bit more oil. You know, they were troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. You know, just don't throw the recipe away. What could yeah. we have done to make it better? So every opportunity, there's no mistakes. There are only mm-hmm. opportunities. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that <laughs> where you said that chefs are just hungry scientists. Yeah. Because that really is, you know, whether it's baking or or cooking, there's so much science that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And even when you're throwing out the science, it's still experimentation. Where right. You're trying different yeah. things. Right. And and the way that different types of food react differently to different types of heat. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. I could see how you really could bring a lot of science in front of, trick a kid into learning science without them realizing it. Yeah, totally. Cooking. And I mean, we teach kids that, again, scientists aren't just lab coats, people in lab coats mixing chemicals, but science are people who ask really good questions, who are super curious, who want to learn about their world and investigate and try things, um, which we all do every day just by nature of being human. Yeah. Yeah. How can we be curious? Uh, also, again, like not only about the stuff we do, but the people around us and what can we learn from whatever we're doing? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the garden is a perfect example of a community that works together with different strengths and weaknesses and supporting each other. And, you know, nothing is wasted in a garden. Um, and so we can learn so much from that and reflect that in our own communities and mm-hmm. sort of see how we can take lessons from the garden and apply them to our lives. So with Oklahoma's crazy weather, what is the easiest thing to grow here? Uh, Vegetable wise, I guess. I would say kale. It grows almost year round. So now's the time to plant kale. Actually, really, you can plant it anytime, practically, unless it's frozen outside, but it'll grow all year. In the dead of winter, you go out, you harvest yourself some kale. Is there any way to make kale delicious other than sauteing it? (laughs) Absolutely. Kale chips. (laughs) Hook okay. yourself up. Yes. I had a third grader tell me that kale chips are better than potato chips mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. she tasted them. Well, An I'm, eight-year-old. Yeah. I'm happy for that kid. They're She's wrong, right. But, yeah. <laughs> no, no. She's right. <laughs> yeah, Jesse. Yeah, let's you just got to season right. it. Are there kale pretzels? If there are, then I'll, I will try them. Um, <laughs> I bet someone will invent them. Probably yeah. a global gardener. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about a lot of things during this interview, but uh, I want to give both of you the opportunity to tell our audience, like, if they're, say, you know, two people in their 40s who don't have kids, uh, how can they help and support Global Gardens? So, hmm, let me think. It's got to refer to stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. obviously money. Yeah. <laughs> so there are lots of ways to support Global Gardens. One, even though we've been around for 15 years, a lot of people still don't know about Global Gardens or know that we're around in Tulsa. So just spreading the word um, via social media or just in person, kind of being a little ambassador for Global Gardens. Um, you can volunteer with us. Uh, you can actually come to our, our after-school programs and see the kids and meet the kids for yourself and help them make their their ideas happen. You can. We also need help with our gardens. So um, kids do a ton of work, but there's only so much you can do in a couple hours a week. So um, we have volunteer work groups who come out and do bigger projects. Um, and then you can also just come out every once in a while to help support our gardens. You have volunteer taste testers for yeah. the <laughs> seed to plate experience. Yeah, oh. that's great. Oh. You can also sign up for a tour through our website where you actually can go in and, and go on a tour at our Eugene Field site, which is the original site. It's our it has our harvest there, which is a classroom, a kitchen in there, kitchen area in there, and blah, blah, blah. But it's a huge when I first toured the um toured Eugene Fields, I was just like, my mouth was just like, you know, I was just I could not believe that kids were doing this kind of thing. It's not just when you think of global gardens and people think, oh, it's a community garden. Everybody has a community garden. It's a community mm-hmm. garden. <laughs> There's so much work that goes into a community garden. There's so much prep and, and maintaining it. And um, so how could people get involved? I would say the first thing you do, if you got, you got to see it to believe it, because if you don't see what's happening, then you'll probably just kind of just still say, oh, it's just like, oh, that's great. They're teaching the kids gardening. So go to our website, which is global-gardens.org and sign up for a tour. It's about an hour long and you'll get to um, meet some of the students in our program and they're going to tell you about their own personal garden. They might even cook you a little snack as well. But it's just a, a great way to see a little glimpse of all the things that we do at Global Gardens. Another way to be involved is... What about money? Do you like money? Yeah. <laughs> we don't need money. Um, <laughs> Always. So, Your website begs to differ. Uh. <laughs> so Global Gardens is 100% community funded. So we're totally grants and contributions. We don't get any money from the district or the state. So, um, you know, of course, money helps us pay for supplies, pay our teachers, um, 
it does help a lot. Mm-hmm. Seeds don't buy themselves. <laughs> Crystal, you are, I had your title up and then I switched to a different page, um, but you are sort of in charge of like sort of the DEI side of these programs, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I would call myself a facilitator. Facilitator. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Coordinator. It's one of these things where as soon as you say it, it's going to make 100% sense to me. But in the the idea of teaching students how to garden, where and how does DEI play into this? Diversity, equity, and inclusion, which that term is kind of like, you know, like anything, it's it's become so overused that we really don't even understand what it means anymore. Um, a lot of times people think diverse DEI is just, oh, look, there's a woman, there's a black, there's a Hispanic. Yeah, we're, we we got our DEI check mark, you know. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion to me is really, as far as Global Gardens, is really basically catching up the reality of what Global Gardens already does, which is already fosters diversity, equity, and inclusion in, com- in community. Just helping to just f- be more intentional about it in our programming, just as, um, and the ground the groundwork has already been laid. Like the organization itself has already set itself up to already, you know what I mean? Like, um, what am I trying to say? The seeds have already been sown. It's going to sound so cliche, but really the seeds have already been sown. As an organization, we want to reflect the community that we serve. We are do we are doing the work, doing a work in the community that already fosters um, DEI just on its face. Like even with our family food farms, for instance, like I visited a family food farm and there were families from every background and it wasn't a grand announcement. Like, look at us being all DEI. It was just a diverse group of families breaking bread together, building community gardens, coming up with recipes, you know, like engaging and communicating just as human beings. And, And that's kind of like what Global Gardens already does. So my role is to just kind of bring in more intentionality as far as um, making sure that we're culturally aware um, in our programming with the students that we serve. Um, you know, the 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 normal, the technical things like SEL and all the technical terms that, that we need to understand, like unconscious bias and all those things. But even deeper than that, like normalizing, um, having... Um, guest teachers and speakers from different cultures and backgrounds bringing their perspective. What was their, what was, what was their family garden like? Where, what is their um, origin country? You know, what are some plants and, and vegetables that are indigenous? You know, what are some of the traditions that your family has coming to teach our students that incorporating some of that into our program uh, and programming? It's not DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. I don't think it's as hard as we've made it to be. I just really see it more as something that is just normalizing being human with other human beings. But there is an HR component to it. There is, you know, some things that we have to have in place, you know, just because this is 2023. But as far as programming goes, like, it's really like, like, we're going to learn about ancestral farming. Like, you know what I mean? And, and I watched, um, I watched a seminar on decolonizing the garden and I can't wait to bring back, you know, to the rest of the staff and tell them what I've learned about it. Um, for me at DEI Global Gardens is about collaborating. What do we want to say as an organization to the world about who we are and the communities that we, in the community that we serve, which is still, it's our community too. How are we um, partnering with the families that we serve and making sure that they their identity, their wants, their desires are being met, that they are at the forefront, that, that we are not just a safe place, but it's we're home for them. And when I went and visited the family food farm, that's what it felt like. I felt like visiting a family. It was really like, I'm like, this is like, this is so cool because like we're already doing the things. It's just that there's not like this grand announcement like, hey, look at us over here. Look at how great we are. It's just who Global Gardens is. And so that's just part of my job is just to, you know, bring more intentionality to that, but in a collaborative way with the rest of the staff. It's not, I'm no D. I mean, I'm, my point of view as a black woman, um, cishet black woman, I have my point of view, born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sarah's going to have her point of view. Jenny's going to have, you two are going to have different points of view. You know what I mean? It's just taking away this assumption that just on, just because something looks diverse, that it is. DEI is more than what it looks like. It's about 
um, diversity of thought. It's diversity of the way your mind works. It's diversity of, of health. It's uh, e- economic circumstances. So many different things more than just what someone's color, skin color looks like. Sounds like Global Gardens is one of the organizations that believes in the sort of salad theory of multiculturalism versus the melting pot. Of, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't want anybody to assimilate into what? Yeah. All of us are different. Exactly. Assimilate mm-hmm. into what? Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely the salad theory, but also um, making sure that, that the things in our program and our educators want this. This isn't something that I'm like, this is what y'all need. This is what they're saying. We want this. We, I've looked at, surveyed the staff um, and uh, across the board, we want to make sure that we are culturally aware in our programming and what we're doing. We want to make sure that we are serving our families and and not saying this is what you need, but they're telling, I mean, it's just, it's really refreshing to be in an organization where that is happening. So, yeah, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Uh, well, Crystal, Jenny, thank you so much. This was great. Um, I'm very curious to check out some of these gardens now. and you know, Sign up for a tour. All right. <laughs> we'll do it. We will do it. And so thank you both. Um, you know, for our listeners, links to Global Gardens. We can talk about why the dash needs to be there later. Um, <laughs> we'll be in our show notes. Please, like, sign up to volunteer if you can. And uh, give them money. Yes, give them money. Yes. Um, so uh, thank you both again. This, this, thank this you for having time. us. Thank, thank you. you guys. Thank you, guys. you all for listening to our episode with jenny and crystal from global gardens you know the drill go to their website sign up to volunteer give them money and of course as far as this podcast is concerned please make sure to subscribe and most importantly share it with other people that is how we grow and for our small but very dedicated group of supporters thank you so much for listening to pod for good you can find us on all of the social media platforms thank you again for listening as always tulsa get it done Broken Arrow, get together. See you next time.